After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Welcome to Greater Good Radio Hawaii, where leaders inspire leaders. Greater Good Radio Hawaii is dedicated to social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Evan Leong, and with me is my co-host, Carrie Leong. Thank you, Evan. Today's guest is retired Navy Captain Jerry Coffey, a keynote speaker, author, and media commentator. Captain Coffey was held captive as a POW for seven years, which has inspired him to share his story to thousands of people a year across corporate America and international groups as well. Please welcome to Greater Good Radio, Captain Jerry Coffey. Welcome Hello. to our show. Hey, Carrie. Hello there. Thank you very much for having me. Could you tell us what you're currently doing? Carrie, um, currently, I'm, I have a lot of irons in the fire, but uh, currently, for, for, from a professional standpoint, I'm still speaking on a full-time basis, even though I'm, you know, I'm involved in, in other things which kind of take away from that a little bit. But I'll be speaking about 24, 25 times this year professionally. And that doesn't count the things that I do in the community for military groups and churches and schools and civic groups, that kind of thing as well. So staying really busy and, um, and traveling uh, quite a bit, but uh, looking forward to staying home more. Is your travel related to the business um, with your speaking, or do you have um, something else that you're... Well, we have family all over the country, actually, but most of the travel relates to our business because I speak literally all over the mainland and in some foreign countries as well. So that gives Susan and me a chance to kind of coattail some of our business trips uh, with uh, family visits as well. Could you tell us a little bit about your business? Sure. It's one of the things that, it's something that I never in my wildest dreams thought that I'd be doing. I mean, nobody goes to college. Well, some people do now, but in my day, nobody went to college to be a professional speaker. There was no kind of a degree or any kind of, of training for that necessarily. It's um, it, it's it's a very strange, uh, unusual profession, actually. I ride on an airplane and, you know, the person next to you will be saying, well, you know, what do you do? I said, well, I'm a professional speaker. They might as well say, well, you don't look like a professional speaker. Well, I'm not speaking today. That's why. <laughs> you know? Do they ask you to give them a portion of your speech? Because you they, have to they tell wonder, them you're you know, a comedian. I, I always wait for the next question, and it usually is something like, well, you know, what makes you a professional speaker? What do you speak about? And they say, well, I'm usually billed as an inspirational or, or motivational speaker. And they say, hmm. And I know they're thinking about it. I said, well, you know, what do you, do you speak about your experiences? Or do you did you write books? Or what, what do you do? And then I, it ultimately comes up, well, you know, part of my time as a as a naval officer for 28 years, was uh, as a prisoner of war in North Vietnam. I was a Navy pilot and was shot down over the, the, the country of North Vietnam, captured, and spent the next seven years and nine days there. And, uh, and I feel that um, having survived the experience, as most of my friends did there, you know, for, in, in that group, survival wasn't anything extraordinary, but going beyond survival was where the, the real mission was. And by that I mean being able to not only survive the experience, but to return with honor. And that became our, our mission, our goal. Uh, but having survived the experience, I came home and felt a very strong responsibility to capitalize on the credibility that accrued from that experience, from that survival. And, that, uh, and, that, and the vehicle for, for capitalizing on it became professional speaking. 
spreading that message. Uh, and basically, it's as simple as uh, trying to plant the seed of belief in people's minds that had it somehow been you or them and my little rubber-tired sandals all those years in prison, you would have survived for the very same reasons that I did because, look, there's nothing extraordinary about me, really. With the same training and orientation going in, you could have survived too. And if people believe that, and hopefully I help them to believe it a little bit, then it changes their perspective on all the things that are going on in their own lives at any given time, whether that be, you know, personal or professional setbacks and challenges or financial difficulties or personal uh, or uh, physical challenges, that kind of thing. And so um, the feedback that I've received over the years has convinced me that it's been a, a productive effort and for me it's been very gratifying. How do you hold it all together after being in an experience like that? I mean, what, actually, what was that experience like? Well, it was very bizarre in some ways, Evan. Um, it was a, a, an experience that uh, taught me to be in the moment, uh, certainly to understand that to be present, for example, and to understand that life certainly has its ups and downs and peaks and valleys, and that if you don't experience both, you're not really living life. And, and through that kind of philosophy, you, you sort of learn how to embrace even the pain that comes with the life, the, the setbacks and the challenges and, and the, um, the things that, that you wouldn't sign up for, certainly, but understand that that's just as much a part of life as the joy and the, and the celebration that goes along with it. And with that kind of understanding, it's hard to get down. You, you stay up and you understand that it doesn't really matter what happens. Uh, this is part of life, and it's what I signed up for by being here. And um, that I look for ways to to uh, to make a positive experience. Look for the I look for the purpose in everything that happens to me. That was one of the most significant things about the experience in Vietnam. I think was somewhere along the way, probably after a year and a half or so, I realized that there was a purpose to what I was going through, but I didn't know what it was. I just had faith that there was a purpose. And sure enough, when I came home, I began to realize that the speaking that I've been able to do was the fulfillment of my purpose for going through all all that in those years in uh, as a POW. How long were you involved in the military before, I guess, becoming a prisoner of war? Well, let's see. I, I joined in 1957 and was shot down in 1966. So um, about nine years. I was 32 years old when I was shot down and 39 when I was repatriated. I, had, I was a Navy pilot. I'd flown from aircraft carriers in the Mediterranean Sea and the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans. And then, of course, in Southeast Asia during the Vietnam War. And um, had a, a fine career going. Um, made the, the rank of lieutenant commander a year early, although I had, hadn't put on the, the rank literally before I was shot down. But uh, while I was there, I made commander, and you know, it took me a while to answer to Commander Coffee after I got out because it was kind of a foreign concept to me. Um, so my career was was sailing around, and you know, gee whiz, I zigged when I should have zagged over North Vietnam, and and I got kind of put on hold. But we all realized that even though we might have been shot down, had been captured and became POWs, it didn't change the fact that we were still in combat, and we still had a, a significant duty to uphold. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Audi sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion. Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. <laughs> 
How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. Greatergoodradio.com. You're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii. Please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. Today's guest is retired Navy Captain Jerry Coffey, a keynote speaker, author, and media commentator. Captain Coffey was shot down while flying combat missions over North Vietnam. Much of his seven years as a POW was spent in solitary confinement. His experience in the military has turned him into a celebrated inspirational speaker. For those of us who have obviously never been in this type of experience, can you maybe share with us an, an account or, or something there that helped you get through that hard time? Sure. Uh, one of the most um, unexpected advantages to that experience, and I use the term advantage, uh, you know, purposely, was a solitary confinement. Believe it or not, uh, there was so much to be gained from being in solitary. And, uh, you know, stop and think about it. When is the last time that you or any of your listeners out there had a chance to just take one day with no radio, television, fax machines, memos, meetings, beepers, iPods, uh, you name it, and get away from it all and just think about yourself and how you got to where you are or maybe more importantly how you're going to get to where you want to be. The solitary confinement gave me the opportunity to go back into my life to the very earliest memory I could possibly recall, maybe three years old, four, whatever it was, go back and relive my entire life in minute detail. It, it took months. And in that process, you really get a handle on yourself. You begin to understand yourself and who you are and why you are the way you are and why you believe and feel the way that you do. What motivates you? Uh, it helps you to understand yourself, to be in touch with the, your humanness, to maybe even forgive yourself for the first time in your life, perhaps. But it never would have been possible with all that time, without all that time to think, to just think about yourself. And we stayed very busy, and, and that was only a part of it. I mean, we, we would uh, communicate with each other through the walls by tapping from cell to cell, and we would challenge each other with questions, and we would study foreign languages and sciences and mathematics through the walls. I mean, my audiences usually crack up when I sometimes say, you know, sometimes I go to bed there, and I say bed, but it was really a concrete slab, and, and I'd say to myself, gee, I didn't get done everything I wanted to do today. Here you are in this prison complex, you know, and people would think, oh, my gosh, it must have been so boring. Well, it could have been boring if you let it, but we didn't let it get boring. We realized that we had a rare opportunity to experience something that the vast, vast majority of Americans never have a chance to experience. You'd even rationalize it. Well, I guess, you know, if you believe in the code of experience, you should get tortured at least once in your life. <laughs> That's dark prison humor. But, you know, you really begin to think that way. How were you able to keep such a good attitude because, you know, a lot of people might just get captured and then be like, why me? And then kind of be depressed for a while. How did you keep a good attitude? And I guess, how long was it that you knew that you could continue and keep going and you could have the fellowship with the other POWs that were also mm -hmm, mm -hmm. near you? It's interesting you use the line, why me? Because certainly that's exactly what it was. You know, you, you get into prison and, you, and the the reality would begin to set in and, and you and, and you Say, you know, wait a minute, this is supposed to happen to the other guy, never never to me, why me? And, and, the, and the real turning point, Carrie, came when my prayers, and there were a lot of them, believe me, daily, uh, and spiritual faith was one of the most significant aspects of my survival. Uh, but my prayers finally changed from why me, God, to show me, God. Show me what I'm supposed to do with this. 
What are you preparing me for? What am I su- supposed to learn from this experience? Help me to, to use it to go home whenever that might be as a better, stronger, smarter person in every possible way that I can be. To go home as a better naval officer, to go home as a better Christian, to go home as a better American citizen, to go home as a better husband and father and, and friend to all my friends. Every possible way, help me to use this time productively. And then having realize that there was going to be a purpose to what I was going through, although I didn't know what it was the entire time I was in prison, but just knowing that there was a purpose, that there was something to build toward, and that every day wasn't just a a void or a vacuum in my life, a waste of time, uh, that made a huge difference. And that turning point was when I realized that there was going to be a purpose to what I was going through. How did you know you were going home? Oh, I never did. But, you know, every time I'd I'd go to sleep at night, the last thing I would think is, well... That's one day closer, whenever it is. When you folks were um, able to communicate with each other, I guess you had talked about tapping and through code and things like that. Was there ever a time, I guess at the beginning, where you tried to figure it out, how can I escape this? How can I get out? And what can we do together to be stronger although we're apart? Well, the communication system that we used by tapping on the walls allowed us to be strong. In fact, our th- little three-word motto was unity over self. Unity over self, which, of course, is a team motto or a family motto or a corporate motto. It has you know, infinite application. But to maintain that unity, we knew we had to communicate. And by tapping on the walls, we stayed in touch, and the senior officers who, were, who, we, who we followed in accordance with our military code of conduct were able to pass out policy and give orders, and, and uh, we could help each other. We could, we could uh, console one another, encourage one another, pass the time together. So the communicating was especially important. And, and in fact, it would take up a lot of the time each day. And if you were really isolated, a lot of things, the thing that would take up at the time is trying to figure out how to reach the, cl- the closest guy to you, figure out some creative way to communicate with the person, whether that be, you know, write a little note with a burnt matchstick or a piece of red brick and leave it someplace where you're sure the guy would, or the pretty good chance the guy might find it, or, or how to how to whisper to a guy around a corner or get his attention or a line of sight so you could kind of flash your hand using tap code, uh, all kinds of ways. So uh, it was a constant challenge, and, and your mind was constantly busy. I thought, I, might, I thought my brain would atrophy from lack of use when I first got there, but, man, just the opposite took place. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Is the greatest part of your workday the leftover lasagna you packed for lunch? Is it quickly becoming apparent that you and everyone you know are smarter than your boss? Just how satisfying is it to wear an untucked shirt on Fridays? It's time you stopped filling a position and started being fulfilled with a job that excites you every day, not just payday. And now is the perfect time to demand more of the work week. The Honolulu Star Bulletin and Midweek Work with Monsters so you can live up to your potential right here. Your calling is calling. Find it at starclassifieds.monster.com. We're back with retired Navy Captain Jerry Coffey, a keynote speaker, author, and media commentator. Before break, we were talking a little bit about communication and tapping. Are you able to give us a little bit of an example of what tapping is? For people that are not in the military, we're not really familiar. 
Well, it, it wasn't a really a military issue. Um, uh, most naval aviators, you know, no Morse code with dots and dashes, but that's just rote memory. Our little communication system was that we call a tap code was based upon 25 letters of our alphabet. We throw out the letter K because you can use a C interchangeably most of the time. Then we arrange those remaining 25 letters in five rows of five letters each, one row on top of the other. As you guys are looking at it, for example, it would be A through E in the top row, F through J in the second row, third row, fourth row, fifth row of five, putting Z in the lower right-hand corner. It gives me five horizontal rows and five vertical columns all in the same little square. A is up in the corner, first row, first column. So I want to tap an A on the wall, I tap. Once for the row, once for the column. So A is one and one. B is in the first row, but the second column over. One and two. C, first row, third column. And so on. N is right in the middle, third row, third column. Of course, Z is in the lower right-hand corner, which is five, fifth row, fifth column. And that's how the, the system was based. And then we developed all kinds of refinements. And, you know, when the guy who was receiving the message you were sending recognized the word, he would just give you a double tap and you cut off the word and go on the next one. It was amazing how fast we could communicate, almost at a regular conversational pace. And then you could translate those numbers in the taps to flashing your hand, you know, one, two, three, four, one, two, that kind of thing. And you could, you know, Admiral Jer now Admiral Jeremiah Denton retired, also a U.S. senator retired had the presence of mind to to flash with his eyes the word torture when he was being interviewed by an anti-war activist activist group. So that was the first inclination or indication that our government had that we were being tortured there. But he was flashing, but he was using Morse code because in flashing, blinking your eyes, you can close your eyes and hold them longer or just a little blink. So he, he would spell out T-O-R-T-U-R-E, T-O-R-T-U-R-E by blinking his eyes. An amazing feat. And when he, and he's answering questions at the same time, but had, as I say, the presence of mind to be able to communicate that with Morse code at the same time. Amazing. It's amazing that you guys can communicate through tapping and, and eyes and things like that. And today, still, people have generally a tough time communicating. That's, that's one of the things that I emphasize, Evan, as, a matter, as you can imagine. I mean, I, I talk about communicating in, in, uh, in, in the presentations that I give. And that people don't have to tap through the walls in the offices, you know. You, you don't, you, we don't have to, you can, when we sometimes get so wrapped up in our technology that we forget to get up out of our chair, walk around the corner and get into the office and communicate with another person eye to eye. And, to, and, to, and with that personal contact, you have more empathy, more understanding, more insight into what's going on in that person's life rather than with an email, for example. Person-to-person uh, -person communication in business is extremely important. And I think that technology has led us away from that to our detriment. What advice can you give to maybe business people out there on things that they can improve on in their own communication? Compassion and understanding, I think, is very important. And communicating in a way that's, as you can imagine, when you're tapping on the walls, you, brevity is paramount. And, and to not get carried away with uh, verbosity and so on. If you, got, if you have a message or something communicating, you simply say it open and honestly without worrying about being politically correct or, you know, uh, be sensitive, but you don't hurt a person's feelings unnecessarily, uh, certainly. But you have to get the message out. The, the business has to be done, certainly. Um, but communicating briefly to the point um, and face-to-face and -face is the most important. I mean, like I say, we get so caught up in email that people... Susan and I, sometimes, across the same desk, we work facing each other. Sometimes we'll send an email to each other. 
you know, not when they're sitting there, but but that you know that they'll pick it up later on. But I'm going to see her in five minutes, so why not just wait and tell her? But I'll send an email. It's crazy. We sit across from each other, and we, while we're physically there, we still email each other. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so it's a good example. That's right. It's just one example of how technology has separated us in our humanness. And, and that's one of the things that a good leader has to be uh, conscious of, is to try to maximize those, those person-to-person contacts. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Neptune Nights, we're feeling fine. We're staying cool on Hawaiian time. Neptune Nights, the sunshine in your mouth. For bubble tea supplies in your home, at a party or business, contact Bubble Tea Supply at 948-2622 or online at bubbletea.com. Audi sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion. Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. Greatergoodradio.com. You're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii. Please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. Today's guest is retired Navy Captain Jerry Coffey, a keynote speaker, author, and media commentator. Beyond being an inspirational speaker, Captain Coffey is also involved in many community organizations. Are you able to share with us a little bit about the involvement that you have in the community and some of the organizations that you're involved in? I'd be glad to, Carrie. And one of the reasons that I'm here is, is that I believe so much in what the two of you are doing for our community and emphasizing the importance of, of coordination among business people to business people to, to the greater the name of your radio, Greater Good Radio. I mean, it says it all right there. Sometimes we forget about the, the greater good, quote unquote, uh, because we get so wrapped up in our own little unique Manini business issues. But uh, everybody doesn't have the luxury of doing that because sometimes business is just darn tough and you don't have time for community involvement. And I recognize that. Um, I'm lucky to have reached a point in my career where I do have more time now. And I've, be, I've been uh, uh, the chairman of the uh, Governor's uh, Civil, Defense Advis- Civil uh, Defense Advisory Council. Uh, and I'm, I've been active in the um, City and County of Honolulu Charter Commission as one of the commissioners in the last several months as we winnow through the recommendations for changes to the charter and and the changes that will go on the ballot in November, for example. And that's been a very challenging but also gratifying endeavor. I'm a very strong advocate of Boy Scouts of America. Um, one of my, I don't have very many regrets in my life, but one was that I didn't stay a Boy Scout long enough to make Eagle. I got one rank away and then I'm Learned about girls, I guess. <laughs> My interests changed at the wrong time. <clears throat> but I really, really admire the Boy Scouts of America, what they stand for, and the kind of young men and women, in, in, in Girl Scouts' case, that they turn out. You know, 
really good, solid citizens for our country. I eagerly speak to uh, civic organizations and, and Rotary, Kiwanis, Elks Clubs, things like that, you know, to help people understand the importance of community involvement. And that, when I speak, I talk about faith in ourselves, one another, faith in our country, America, and faith in God. And the faith in one another is where we, where we communicate with each other and solve problems together by coming together as a civic organization where we get involved and, you know, as an aside, it's good networking for business too, but nevertheless, the, 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 the primary motivation has to be for the good of the community. And then everything good accrues from that. Why are you involved with these things? Though? What, why is it important to you? And then why is it important for you to uh, work with these community organizations in Hawaii? Well, Hawaii is my home for the first, in the first place. Uh, I mean, um, as I just wrote in a column recently, you know, I, I love Hawaii. I've been here for 32 years, and, and I live here by choice. I'm a, I'm a kama'ana by choice, so to speak. And, uh, you know, just like when I lived in California, born and raised in California, I called myself a Californian, but now I'm in Hawaii, so I'm a Hawaiian of Hawaii, not a native Hawaiian, obviously, but I'm of Hawaii now. And so I choose to live here. And, and I love the, the community. I love the Aloha spirit. I love the culture. I love the language and the music. And, and, uh, and I, just, I just wouldn't want to live anywhere else if I could help it. So um, that's one of the, the, the reasons that I try to be active in the community, to help improve wherever I can. I feel a, re- a responsibility as well to the old thing, to much is given, many is, is, is requested. That's paraphrase. But, you know, if you have the means to, to give back and to be involved, then I think you should. And I'm also, uh, the, the Civil Defense Advisory Council is very important to me because I take seriously the terrorist threat to our country and to our community, particularly to Honolulu right now. And I fear that too many people still have their heads in the sand. They're in denial about what we really face in our war against Islamo-fascist terrorism. And, uh, and to make sure that our community is, is safe and that, we have, that our readiness level is maintained at a, at a high level and that people are, are informed about the, the, their needs in a disaster or an emergency situation. Um, I was very gratified that the governor also shares that feeling and just has devoted much of our, of our surplus recently to upgrading the shelters that are necessary and, and even going so far as to learning the lesson from Katrina and making space for pets, people's pets in the shelters as well. So um, it's because I, I feel so deeply for my community and for Hawaii and for our country, America, and the threats that, that uh, are posed to both uh, entities through, through international terrorism, it makes me want to be involved that much more. It's love. It's through love. And then lastly, in closing off, maybe you can share with us something inspirational for our listeners out there. Everyone thinks they go through hard times, but there's always something to take them through it. Maybe you can share a personal thing. Well, one of the things that always inspired me there in the prison environment was our, the, the way that we try to take good care of each other. And when the man in the cell next to you was down and hurting, being punished, whatever the reason, maybe his ankles were locked in the ankle stocks at the foot of his concrete slab and his hands were manacled behind, it, behind him and like that for four or five weeks, you'd get up to your wall frequently and you'd tap to him, which is GB, and that means God bless. And he knew that that also meant, be tough, babe, hang in there. I love you and I'm praying for you. And you bet you were. And then each night when things would quiet down before you go to sleep, you'd tap to the guy in the next cell. GN. Good night. God bless. God bless you. 
GBA. God bless America. Every single night. That kind of trust and faith and care in one another. Thanks for joining us today on Greater Good Radio. For more information or a transcript of today's show, please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. This is your host, Evan Leong and Carrie Leong, saying please join us next time for another episode of Greater Good Radio Hawaii.